Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 9 of All This and World War II, and we're wrapping up the guidelines for creating superheroes and superhero teams if for some reason you do not want to be one of the West Coast Avengers. Which, who does? But you're not Tigra. You have a choice. Last time we went through uh, what I felt was pretty good advice for putting together heroes who work well on superhero teams, superhero teams that function well in play, associates for those superhero teams, like cast of NPCs to make sure you have all your bases covered for adventure hooks, including a designated hostage. And now we arrive at the final step, headquarters and equipment. Quote, the X-Men have the Blackbird, the Avengers have the Quinjet, and the Fantastic Four have the Fantasticar. Okay, what does your hero team have? So far, so good. The author understands that the team vehicle is a staple of team superhero books, but then goes on to say, quote, the judge should naturally be reluctant to give the heroes anything for nothing, but a vehicle and a small piece of equipment or two like signal rings or encoded ID cards for everyone, probably wouldn't hurt. And it goes on to say you might let the team design their vehicle using the vehicle design rules, and you should also think about where your headquarters is. My beef, and the dumbest thing in this page, although it's a very small thing, is this idea that the judge should be reluctant to give the heroes anything for nothing. This is absolutely the wrong way to think about this. Totally backward. And I'll tell you why. There was a comic book called All-Star Squadron, and it was a DC comic with all these different um, Golden Age DC heroes, so like World War II era superheroes. And this was kind of like a retcon comic book that placed this big super team back into DC's World War II era. So there's like the Justice Society, which is the big superheroes, and then that's a subset of the All-Star Squadron, which retroactively includes all these obscure World War II DC heroes that nobody remembered except Roy Thomas, who wrote the book. The All-Star Squadron was a big team, uh, a very diverse team. I mean, not the modern meaning of diverse. It was a, a lily white team. But I mean, in terms of powers and like emos and stuff, you've got everything from Wildcat, who is basically like a boxer who decided to fight crime in his persona as a bobcat, and the Spectre, who is like the embodiment of God's judgment on Earth. Uh, they're like, they're sharing a team together. You can see where there's a level of disparity in like tactics and power level. And one of the things that would happen in that book is that sometimes the All-Star Squadron, as all super teams do, would need to go somewhere. But the All-Star Squadron, at least in the early comics I had, did not have a vehicle. And therefore, instead of the iconic, recognizable image of the Avengers Quinjet or the X-Men's Blackbird coming in for a landing, when the All-Star Squadron is showing up, what you see is just like the sky filled with people in so many dumb outfits and nearly as many modes of conveyance. Superman's flying in, Wonder Woman's in her invisible plane, Hawkman is up there flapping away, uh, Johnny Thunder is riding on the back of his pink genie, and then you got all these lesser superheroes, plus Batman and Robin, who don't fly. Batman, if he wants to, if he wants to retain his dignity, which he didn't always in the World War II era, thus Robin, he might be coming in in the Batplane, right? Or if he doesn't want to take the Batplane, how about the Whirly Bat? He has his choice of Bat-branded aircraft. We're not talking about Moon Knight here. Batman has options. But then these other heroes aren't so lucky, right? Uh, Tarantula, Adam, Wildcat, they can't, they can't fly. Dr. Midnight. So how are they going to get to where all the other heroes are? Well, in various ways. 
Spectre can carry some of them in his giant hands if he wants to. Um, Green Lantern often would fly in and then he'd have like a little bubble and he would carry some of them. If we got a big group, then somebody might have to be just carried by their arms. You know, Robot Man, big, heavy. Superman might just have his mighty super arms right up under Robot Man's armpits and just be carrying him to the scene. It just looks like a big mess up in the sky when the All-Star Squadron comes to call. And here's the thing. This is a minor uh, logistical inconvenience for the team, perhaps. Figuring out who's on taxi duty, who's got to get where, should I take the bat plane? If Plastic Man turns into a submarine, is there going to be enough air for all of us? But those are details. The real problem here is for the creative team. You got to draw all these motherfuckers. You don't just get to draw a Quinjet. You don't get away with that. You got to draw everybody up there. And especially you got to draw the people who it's awkward to get them to where they're going. Because otherwise the reader is going to ask, hey, wait a minute. How did fucking Wildcat get to this desert island? He doesn't have any cat themed vehicles or accessories. He's just a fucking weirdo. So you got to show him being carried in. And then what if the team wants to split up? Now you're limited in who you can take where because it's going to affect the mobility of the different parts of the team. You got to remember the logistics. If you're cutting between scenes, who can get to where? And the same thing can easily happen in role-playing games. I think most GMs have had the experience that, like, the team finds a clue. All clues point to this murder having been committed cooperatively by a clown and an elephant. Our next step is clear. Let's go to the circus. But then somebody realizes, wait a minute, we already made an appointment with that wizard who was going to help us. They're in the other direction. Why don't we split up? Well, we all came in the same van. Okay, now shit. We, As a GM, you were waiting for the circus scene. That's where you wanted to go. And you wouldn't have minded doing the wizard scene. What you didn't want to do is the who's taking the van? Should we call an Uber? What if we need to get out of there in a hurry? Could we rent a car? I tell you what, why don't we all go in the van? We'll drive back to your place. I'll take the motorcycle and you two can rent a car. Hey, wait, I've got larceny. Why don't I steal a car? This is the scene you didn't want to have. You got places to be and so does the fucking circus. Once again, this is kind of a problem for the protagonists, but it's really more of a problem for the GM who's trying to structure this story around the logistical concerns. The reason that the Avengers have a Quinjet, the reason that the X-Men have a Blackbird, is not that comic book writers wanted to give them a powerful new weapon against the forces of evil. The reason that they have those vehicles is because it allows us not to think or talk about the extremely dull issue of how superheroes get from one place to another. And while superhero vehicles and superhero bases tend to accrue new powers and abilities all the time, much in the same way that superheroes do, they too are largely for the sake of convenience. You're going to see a lot of fast vehicles. You're going to see a lot of stealth vehicles. You're going to see a lot of high-capacity vehicles. You're going to see a lot of vehicles that you wouldn't think can go into space but can totally go into space. You're going to see relatively large fleets of vehicles for relatively small numbers of superheroes. The Legion of Superheroes takes no chances. They're a huge team. They take members from all over the fucking galaxy. And as soon as you join the team, no matter who you are, the first thing they do is hand you a flight ring. Now you can fly. Excuse me, I could already fly. It doesn't matter. Everybody wears the flight ring. We're never talking about this again. (laughs) It's the future. We don't have time for this shit. Everybody wears the flight ring. Everybody flies. The X-Men are a notable exception. Oftentimes you see the X-Men with only one big vehicle. The thing is, the X-Men have often had such a huge extended cast. It like drives down the cost of mutant labor. Why get more jets when there are like two dozen mutants whose powers that they teleport people around? Just get one of them. Here, you hang around at the mansion when we all want to go somewhere. Just take us. And if you don't want the job, I'll just get in touch with the next mutant in line with basically the same powers. I've got a whole fucking list in my contacts. So yeah, it, I mean, the advice to resist giving the player something for nothing, it's fully wrongheaded. You're not giving the players anything. You're giving yourself the gift of not doing scenes about who's in the van and where the van is going. The more the vehicle can do, the better. 
Now, the exception to this, there, there are a few pitfalls, and I know this mainly not from comic books, but from my study of Doctor Who, which has a very special relationship with powerful vehicles, obviously. A couple of things you don't want to do. Number one, you don't want to really put weapons on your vehicles. You don't want all the superheroes sitting there in their little seatbelts while one person just strafes the bad guys with lasers. First of all, vehicle weapons are often very destructive in role-playing games. And secondly, your only option as a GM at that point is to shoot down the plane and then you're back in the same fucking predicament as you were before. Number two, no remote control. You don't want superheroes to be able to summon their vehicle from a distance. They should have to walk to it. This is essential because as long as you keep that restriction intact, you can let the players just go nuts with their vehicle. Is there a lab on board? It's got a special power supply. We got our library computer in there. We got our medical facilities, our little stasis tube. Anything. doesn't matter. Because if there's a plot that requires them not to have those things, just have them get out of the plane and then have a giant hole open up in the earth and the plane falls down in it. And then the players can't go back to it until later in the plot when you deem appropriate. Problem solved. Superhero universes are replete with explanations for a plane falling into the earth. You can even just introduce it on the spot, like, all right, we've arrived in Latveria to fight Doctor Doom. It's the Avengers in their mighty Quinjet versus Doctor Doom. Uh, guest starring Mole Man. Hole opens up in the earth, Quinjet falls down. When in doubt, Mole Man did it. So yeah, the dumbest thing on this page is the idea that you need to tightly control or like point by the team vehicles. For this module, it doesn't make a ton of difference because you're going to be taking the player characters away from a lot of their usual team resources that they have access to. If they've got a Quinjet equivalent, they're not really going to be able to use it for most of the adventure anyway. But in general, don't begrudge player characters shit that makes the game more fun and easier for everyone, including you. I've found that being very free with vehicles, buildings, that kind of stuff, it makes everything so much easier. The question to ask is not, will this help the player characters and should I therefore make them pay for it? The question you should ask is, if I give this to the players, what scenes won't we have? And if those are scenes you don't want to have, just fucking give it to them. Anyway, with that little bit of dubious advice, we are done with the advice on creating hero teams and heroes for this adventure. With player characters out of the way, it's time to turn to NPCs. So join me next time as we meet some of Marvel's oldest and goofiest heroes, the Invaders, on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.